Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Six and Out podcast. It's your host, Craig, here. Thanks for being with us again. Um, I've got along with me today. We don't have Arnie, unfortunately, but we do have uh, the official chairman of the Virat Kohli Sporters Club. Uh, Brett, how are you doing, mate? <laughs> yeah, good, mate. Good, thanks. Uh, good, glad to be back on. Uh, uh, I did catch up on the, the last chat with Cheese, and it was a really good one. I was a little bummed to miss that one in the end. Um, but yeah, good good to be back on, and uh, yeah, well, nice to see. As much as uh, he's a little bit uh, prickly at times, it, it is nice to see Coley making runs. I think I did say last time I was on cricket's better when when he's making runs. Yeah, it's maybe not the runs. Well, we're going to talk about this, but maybe not the runs that we're quite used to him. They they still seem like nervous runs to me, but it is. You're right. It's much better whenever you see Virat Coley's name in the top you know, three or four batsmen for a tournament, um, which we'll get to in a second. Just on cheese, uh, anybody who hasn't seen that uh, podcast, go back. It's episode four. We're recording episode five at the moment. Um, it was a great listen around establishing a cricket club in China and, and some other interesting insights into uh, amateur domestic cricket. Um, we did say that we would leave plenty of chat to bring you into the fold so that we could talk about England and Australia and all that kind of stuff. So we'll have cheese on, on again, but... Let's get stuck right into it. We're going to ask ourselves the the biggest question on everybody's lips at the moment, um, which is is not did Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine at the uh, the premiere of his latest movie? I don't know if you saw that, but we'll leave that for another day. We're going to talk about Indian cricket. Anybody who's missed it so far, they've officially been eliminated from the Asia Cup. They have one more game, I think, to play against Pakistan. It's a dead rubber. Uh, the final will be played between Pakistan and Sri Lanka. So we're going to ask ourselves the question of what, what went wrong for India. They they came in as heavy favourites. Um, well, maybe not heavy favourites, but certainly with Pakistan, between the two of them, heavy favourites favorites in there. Not a lot of people given Sri Lanka, Afghanistan or Bangladesh uh, a, an option of, of making or beating them in a final. So um, look, I'll, I'll just ring off the results quickly before I throw it over to you, Brad. They they started off in the group games by beating, beating Pakistan in a very close encounter, uh, though it must be said we'll talk about the, the bowling at the end of that innings. Hong Kong in an interesting encounter, again, probably didn't get the job done as efficiently as we would have expected them to. And then a couple of back-to-back losses, which have seen them out of the competition to Sri Lanka and Pakistan, but... Um, let me throw it over to you, just an open question. What, what do you think's gone wrong for India? Where, where where do we start with them? Yeah, it, it's been an interesting one. And it, the way the the Asia Cup format was set up, it, it doesn't take much to go wrong for the, the whole tournament to sort of hit the skids. And uh, But yeah, the, the loss to Sri Lanka was probably the sticking point in terms of a side. Like Sri Lanka can be a dangerous side, but if you stack up those sides on paper, India are far and away the better side there. I think it it probably goes back to, to what we talked in the preview. India at the moment strike me as a side that are a little confused at how they want to play. They, they're not, not really sure what the best combination is. They're not really sure how they want to go about their cricket. And it, it probably does show on the field a little bit. So, so when you when you say that, so you talk about the combinations, is your beef with the selection of individuals or is it the individuals with the type of cricket they're trying to play? Um, 
let's take for example. I mean, we 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 look at the batting lineup. Their their top four has been five has been pretty solid. Are you talking about the selection at the top of the order, the selection in the middle of order, or is it the bowling? What 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 part of it doesn't really, I guess, make sense on paper to you in terms of how they're trying to play their cricket? I think it's it's probably more the abundance of riches they've got and trying to fit it into a a cohesive team like the top six on paper are probably the best pretty well the best batting lineup you could ask for yeah you, you've got some questionable uh decisions kl Rahul, is he is he in their best 2020 side he he dominates the ipl i guess yeah. the question over him is can he translate that to sustained international performance but all the guys in their top six bat top three or four in, say, the IPL. So you've got six blokes who are all used to being the main man in their respective, uh, I guess, IPL side or domestic sides batting batting in the, the key spot. I think they're just struggling to gel as a unit and perhaps fit into to some of the roles they might be asked to do. Like you've obviously got Sharma and Coley as the two big dogs that the the side needs to bat itself around. But then the the questions I guess need to be asked the the Pant and Pandia have they been able to sort of fit into that lower order sort of accelerating finisher type role as effectively as possible. And, and K.O. Raul, is, is he capable of adapting to the way that Sharma wants the side to play, which he's on record saying he wants them to be more aggressive? Yeah. I, I For for me, I think, that, I think that's the only question around the batting for me personally. The, the, the head scratcher for me is K.L. Rahul has had this... I mean, there's a sentiment out there that K.L. Rahul is a a builder of an innings, right? He builds it up. That's why he opens. He actually, actually is a very solid opener uh, in ODI cricket. He's a fairly solid opener in uh, test cricket. And I think he can, like he's thrived in the IPL, obviously, but his strike rate is chronically low for the type of cricket that, like you say, Rohit Sharma is on record for. And when you have somebody like Pant, who's more often than not coming in for five and six, and as a match winner, like he can really win you matches from the word go. And I just wonder if we look at the if we look at the the actual runs that were sto- scored for India, they scored the most runs out of any team so far through the four games in the Asia Cup. Um, the most runs. If you look at the the highest run getters, and we'll put this up on on screen for the the viewers to see, you have Virat, Virat Kohli who scored the third most runs um, behind, surely behind Kusal Mendes. They're pretty much tied. And obviously, Rizwan's miles ahead of anybody having like <laughs> just a ridiculous summer to himself. Um, Virat Kohli's number three. They would have taken that coming into this Asia Cup, hands down, no questions asked. Then you have Gurbaz at number four for Afghanistan. Again, it's been great. And you have Sharma at five and uh, Sky at six. So there you are. You have three of your top four in the top six run getters in the competition, aside from KL Rahul. Uh, so it's not like they're not scoring runs. It's just this question of K.L. Rahul, who scored 70 runs across the four innings and 36 of those were against Hong Kong. I I agree with you. I, I think you waste Pant down the order 
And I think Pandya, from his standpoint, is the guy that can be a KOL Rahul, build an innings, be sensible, be cool-headed, and, and know the target he has to chase and set set a good target when the going is a bit tougher. Um, I, it seems nasty to call KL Rahul dead or done or you know RIP KL, but with the embarrassment or riches that you're talking about, I mean, we're, we're talking about a side that's not going to have Ravi Jadeja, who often gets pushed up the order too. So I, I, I agree with you. I, is KL Rahul the, the sacrificial lamb if you're looking for batting problems here? Do you come to that same conclusion? Yeah, I, I think so. It's particularly when you look at things like lower down the order, you end up with someone like Deepak Huda batting seven, not bowling. Is there, well, they spent a lot of time putting a lot of time into the Dinesh Kartik into that finisher role, and he he played one or two matches, and and then has been sort of jettisoned for for Pant and now Huda. So it it's a it's a tough one. It's just I think as a unit, they're as individuals perform very well. But I think as a unit, where they're just a little bit behind, say a side like Pakistan, who are now comfortably the favourites to to take out the Asia Cup, mm-hmm. who everyone in their side bats in bats in a spot for a specific reason and buys a hundred percent into that role. I think you get a little bit of personnel stuff, but then also combine it with ah. Uh, India capable of are these guys in the Indian lineup capable of combining their immense talent with the the sort of synergy that they need as a team to completely optimize their stuff because like I said they've made runs for fun but I don't think anyone's watched any of their innings and gone oh they've uh, they've got the absolute max that they could have out of that innings that that's true that's true maybe with the exception of Surya Kumar Yadav against Hong Kong. Um, like I said at the start of the call, Kohli, or the, the pod here, Kohli has made n- nervous-looking runs. You know, it's uh, it's tentative. And, and and for a man who kind of oozed, used to ooze confidence and a man who used to go about his business by putting an entire billion people on his back and saying, I'm going to win this for my, my team and I'm going to be the best guy out there and screw everybody else and... I mean, which he kind of alluded to. I don't know if you heard during the week, but he, in his press conference, he talked about when he lost the captaincy. Yeah. And, and the only man to text him was Dhoni. I mean, he obviously sacrificed some kind of personal relationships there for performance. But again, it takes confidence to put yourself in that position. So I agree with you there. Uh, Sharma looked a little sharper in the, um, in the second match against Pakistan. Um, but really, Sky's being the only man who's who's... And this was this was true pre-tournament as well. The only man in the Indian setup, really, maybe aside from Pant, who could put his hand up and say, "I feel like I'm in the form of my life going into this, and I'm ready for the World Cup. Put me in the team." You know, so it's interesting. Uh, probably Pandya. But it's all like Pandya yeah. as well. Yeah. 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 I I, I might I might have had Chahal in that in that bracket pre uh, Asia Cup too because he how what a great IPL he had. Um, Maybe we need to come on to the bowling in a second. Sorry, you were going to finish your thought there on, on the on the batting, perhaps. Yeah, 
the the other thing is perhaps even just a little bit of luck. Like a lot of the matches, particularly at Dubai, have been a case of win the toss, bowl first, and chase. Yeah, the two sets in, it gets easier. The bat, the second ten of the second innings just seems to get significantly easier to bat, even if it's been good batting conditions in the like for the first sort of 30 overs of the match, the last 10 just seems to be the the best time to bat the juice sets in. Ball perhaps gets a little bit slippery, makes it does make it a little bit harder for the bowlers to execute. But we've seen some big chases from, from some positions where sides haven't necessarily looked in, in a great spot. Then all of a sudden they're sort of peeling off 12 and over for the last five overs to win a match. Yeah, yeah. Um, circa, or good example is Pakistan today against uh, mm. Afghanistan. Um, anybody who doesn't know Pakistan hit, uh, they were nine wickets down. I think they needed 13 or 12 to win and uh, pinged two sixes. Their number 10 batsman pinged two sixes to beat Afghanistan. It was a phenomenal game. Um, I do, though, I, I think there's something in what you're saying. So I went back and had a look at the... Um, I think India have a. I, I think they have more of a, a basket case problem in their bowling department than they do in the batting department. I, I I think that they 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 have enough talent in the bowling department to defend the totals that they've put up on the batting side of things. The problem has been is that I I think they're missing a huge huge element of their past success was which was very effective death bowlers. They are missing two two big 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 key men. Harshal Patel, who I think is vastly underrated with a, a dirty, white, old, nasty, been in the dog's mouth and chewed a few times, white cricket ball. And Jasper Boomer, who could take a peach and, you know, bowl it down there and, and, and make it look like it was a, a brand new a brand new ball. Um, but when you look at the, I, I just, I went through the, the, fi- the finishing kind of overs for India in, in their innings. So if we look at the, at the opening match against Pakistan, they they let pack they could have won that game much easier. Pakistan were nine wickets down. The last seven balls went for eighteen runs, and that was uh, Boovy and Arshdeep in those overs. So seven balls, eighteen runs against you know tail end batsmen. Then you go to Hong Kong, five wickets down. Hong Kong were in the last twelve balls, thirty three runs were given away. That's just not not good enough. That's Arshdeep Singh who is you know heralded as a great death bowler and Avesh Khan. Both young guys. Then we go to Sri Lanka, the game they lost. Four wickets down, last 18, 18, 18 balls, 33 runs, zero wickets. That was Hardik Pandya, Bhuvi and Arshdeep again. And then finally a match against Pakistan, five wickets down, last 18 balls, 34 runs and one wicket. That was Ar- Bhuvi, Arshdeep, and Arshdeep actually had a phenomenal last over. He actually made that look look a lot better than it probably, probably could have been. Um, so I think having said that, and I understand the... the the conditions, but if you were to have a, a Jasper Boomer in there, if you were to have a Harshal Patel in there, I think Harshal Patel, who has had a great, great, great experience in terms of being handed the ball in over nine and ten and eleven for two overs, and then you come back in the eighteenth and twentieth, and then Boomer, who could just get the job done across all all areas, and even Shami to some extent. Um, I think that makes their team more more complete in terms of defending totals. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know a whole pile about Arshdeep Singh, but he seems to be heralded as somewhat of a decent death bowler. Yeah, well, and I'm going to 
sort of back up your point here 100% because when when it was announced that Harshal Patel was going to miss the Asia Cup, I didn't think it was going to be a huge loss for for India. But uh, sort of evidently it has been a much bigger loss than, than it seems. And Arshdeep Singh is, is supposed to be, I guess, that, that next generation of, of death bowler for India. But... Uh, I don't think anyone can dispute the pressure's got to him a little bit. Admittedly, he is only a young fella. Yeah, I, I, and it's a skill that you need to. It's a, you learn on the job with that. I, I don't. I don't think you can go into an ad and ask you know, Dravid or whoever the bowling coach is. Hey, here's the situation. What do I bowl? I, that that's one of the things that makes Hardik Pandya actually a very very good bowler. He's he's an all rounder and, and batsman and can bowl and bat in different, very different distinct situations, but. I digress. You continue your point there. Yeah, the it is his first tournament on a world stage as well. So, like, yeah, the IPL is in terms of a domestic competition is fairly close to a world competition, but I think it hits differently when yeah. Well, I'm assuming it hits differently for Indian players as much as anybody when you you put on the the blue shirt and you've got a billion people on your back it's uh it just becomes one of those one of those things where it's a different world yeah. all of a sudden you've got the ball in your hand you've got genuine world-class batsmen at the other end conditions might be a little bit slippery but uh the weight of those billion people on your shoulders as well um it it could get pretty tricky pretty fast and yeah boomerang Admittedly, like rightly so, massive hole. Even if he only bowls one over at the front and over in the middle, and you save him for two at the end, like he's just so hard to get a hold of. Does that make like if he if he plays, it probably changes their dynamic enough that to take a bit of pressure off someone like Ashdeep. But like you'd go maybe a Boomerah and over up front but then go with Booby bowling three up front rather than trying to save yeah. him for the end. Because admittedly, skills with the new ball supreme. He, I don't think he's a great old ball bowler. Um, you probably want him, if you have to bowl him towards the back end of an innings, you probably want to be bowling him 16, 17, trying to go for, perhaps go for a kill a little bit earlier mm-hmm. than relying on him to bowl 19. Yeah, and and I agree with you. And, and to the to a certain extent, I don't blame. I wouldn't allocate much blame to to Bhuvanesh Kumar. Uh, I think it's a combination of things that they have. They obviously have a very very qu- like high quality opening bowler there. I mean, he can he can make that ball swing. He makes it difficult. It's difficult to score. Um, but I think it's a combination of whenever he's expected to do some of the damage up front, which he has been. He's done a good job of that. And then also take the ball to the back end. And the fact that, this, I mean, Chahal has been disappointing. He hasn't taken wickets. He's taken three wickets, you know. that we. Uh, four. I just four. happened to swap over to the, the bowling stats. There you are. It's so a three, you, three in one match. Yeah, well, there you are. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you, you look down the... I mean, admittedly, I don't think anybody had guessed that the seamers on these pitches would have been as useful as they have. I mean, you've seen you know, Faruqi in that first game for Afghanistan, which is phenomenal watching. The Pakistani seamers have been 
I mean, it's been so entertaining. We haven't really, you don't typically get those kind of pitches for for seamers to bowl on T20. It's been, an, it's been a refreshing change, actually. Um, but having said that, in the top 10 wicket getters um, in terms of the, the tournament so far, there are only two Indians, and they're like 9 and 10. It's Boovy and Hardik Pandya. So it, it, extremely disappointing in terms of the backup from the spinners in the middle as well. Um, and when you're you're not taking those consistent wickets through, through Chahal and through Bishnoi and through Yashwin and, or whoever it is, it's just more pressure on those guys at the back end who, who just haven't had those those death bowling skills really ironed out yet. The, the other thing that <clears throat> I think is has probably played into it a little bit, they've been... They've really just gone with the five bowling options since Jadeja got injured. Mm. Like we mentioned earlier, they've picked Huda, who bowls okay, sort of part-time off-spin. Haven't bowled him. Their last few matches, they've gone with just the five bowlers, which then that's including Pandya. They haven't left themselves a lot of flexibility if someone has a bad day. Yeah. yeah. So there's perhaps an argument for bringing in an extra genuine bowling option. Injuries, again, haven't helped. If you had Jadeja batting seven as your sixth bowling option as well, all of a sudden that changes the dynamic a bit. You've got another accurate bowler in there who can, A, burn through an over super quickly Mm -hmm. and sneak it through. Mm -hmm. Uh, Doesn't bowl many bad balls, doesn't give too much opportunity for a batsman to get hold of. So, yeah, I think there's still questions over the, the makeup, and maybe if they're not going to bowl Huda, maybe Aksar Patel is a better option. Yeah, I so saw he was brought into the into the squad to replace Jadeja. So actually, let, let me ask you this question. So if you're, you're Rahul Dravid or you're Rohit Sharma and you do your best uh, Logan Roy uh, impression from uh, Succession, and you go full bore on the floor with these bowlers. Who who's coming? Who's coming out? And in so they haven't released their squad for for the T Twenty World Cup, primarily because of Boomer and Harshal. Let, let's assume Boomer and Harshal are fit. I think we both agree they get in the side. You take. Yeah. I think you take Boovy as well. Um, you're going with one one seamer from Arshdeep Avesh Khan, and I, I mean. Do you bother taking them along? What, what do you think? I don't think Avesh makes the cut. Like I've, I've seen a reasonable amount of him over the last couple of months and he's got some promise, but I, I think he's well and truly still a, a work in progress. I think there are, even looking back to some of their bowling stocks, I think there are a few people I'd rather bring along even without worrying about Marshall Patel or or Boomer, who are going to be pretty well walk up starts, you got guys like Boomer and Malik should be around the squad as much as possible. Even though he's still very raw and probably doesn't get a game, you want him traveling to these world tournaments, getting a taste of this is this is what it's like. But even a guy like uh, Mohsen Khan, mm. who big tall left armor, bowls serious wheels would give him another point of difference in the attack. But I think I think it'd be probably as simple as Avesh doesn't make the cut. You're gonna have Bumri and you're gonna have 
Patel in. I don't think they've picked another. Yeah, I don't think they picked another uh, seam bowler in that squad for the Asia Cup, did they? They had uh, Bhuvanesh Kumar, uh, Kumar uh, Avesh Khan, and Arshdeep Singh. And I, rem- I, th- I think we said at the start they looked a little, a little light on on yeah. top tier talent. But it was when when we considered the fact that somebody like a Shaheen Afridi, who kind of almost chalk and cheese between Pakistan and India. First man, you know, Shaheen Afridi, they use a, a generational, you know, talent within the Pakistan setup. They very much have had Nazim Shah step up into that um, into that mantle. They very much had Harris Roif as, as actually, who I assumed would be the the kind of stalwart of that attack. It's actually probably been the third best seam bowler in that attack. And he's, he still bowled relatively well. Um, so... Uh. There we go. I just the other bowler that doesn't make the cut in that squad is Ravi Bishnoi. Yes, yeah. There's no bringing him to Australia. No, no. You can um, make a argument for Ashwin. You're going to bring Chahal. I think you need a good wrist spinner in Australia anyway. But um, I think that's probably where you're going to have Avesh out, Bishnoi out, Patel in, and Bumrah in, and that's pretty much going to balance out the squad. Jadeja, I don't think, is going to be fit in time, which probably creates a role for Axa. Yeah, he, he's just had knee surgery. So um, he's, yeah, that I would, it would be a, a borderline miracle if he if he made it back, um, especially with how athletic he is in the field. It's not like you're going to hide him in the slips. Uh, he's, yeah. he's, he's your man. He's one of the greatest fielders in, in world cricket at the moment. So um, that's, a, which is a loss for them, actually, in, in terms of the, the fielding energy um, and the options from batting and bowling. I have to admit, if you had asked me a year ago uh, in terms of your all-round talent in world cricket, is Jadeja a top-tier all-rounder? I I probably wouldn't have had him in that top-tier all-rounder. I mean, you, you think about names like Ben Stokes. I, I, I didn't really have him on the same echelon as, as Ben Stokes, but he's impressed. Um Aside from his captaincy with with the Super Kings, which was perhaps a bit premature, uh, I've been I've been impressed with him. How can you fill Tony's boots anyway? They were asking for trouble. Ah, uh, impossible job. It's like trying to be an Australian spinner replacing Warren. It's just <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> well, they've had um, oh, what do you call your wee spinner down there? Uh, he likes Lyon. the coffee. Yeah, uh, no, not Nathan Lyon, Gary. Um, uh, Zampa, yeah, Zampa's had a yeah. had a go at it, but very much a different different career um, yeah. than that. Yeah. Um, all right, so listen, uh, that's that's India. Um, tell me this: expectations for the World Cup after this Asia Cup? Do you think the the environment changes things dramatically for them uh, in terms of the pitches, in terms of it being a World Cup versus the Asia Cup? Uh, how do you think that you know? How do you get your chances just based on the uh, what you've seen in the Asia Cup? Uh, I think they're going into any world tournament, they're always going to be one of the favourites. The, the depth of talent is there. I think it, if if they can sort out the bowling, they're probably going to make enough runs to be well in pretty much every match they play. I think it's going to come down to how well they can play. And it sounds a bit 
sort of cheesy, but like how well they can play as a team and the old champion team versus team of champions sort of adage. Mm-hmm. Like they've got a team of champions. Like they've got some really, really good players. Like players that are in the top echelon of their various skill sets in the world, whether or not they can under Rowett's leadership which admittedly is, seems to be a little bit more chilled than, than say, a Coley. Mm-hmm. And they bring the best out of everybody at the same time and get everyone on the same page. But I, I think they'll still be around the mark. Pakistan, I think, are, are pretty quickly firming into uh, probably equal favouritism with Australia, maybe even slightly ahead of Australia, mm-hmm. considering... How well they've performed without Shaheen Sharafridi, and I think the Australian conditions are going to suit them even better than the Asian conditions for the the Asia Cup. I'd I'd agree, and I would add one other thing to that, and the fact that Barbar Barbar Arzam has has not really contributed, nor has he he really had to. I mean, if you look at, it, I mean, Rizwan's averaging seventy in the Asia Cup. That's insane. We'll give him that. But one of the things we talked about at the, uh, in our preview was it was going to be fun to get to know some of these these Pakistani middle order batsmen and what they could do. And a few of them have shown some glimpses of hope. But uh, like I said earlier, the fact that they've been able to, um, Shadab Khan has been able to contribute massively with the ball. Um, and the, the other seamers have really picked up the the mantle was thrown down by, by a Freedy. If they get a Freedy back, they... I agree with you. I think I think they're very, very, very strong, strong favourites. My only, my only concern again, and I think it will remain into the World Cup, is when you get both Babar and Rizwan early in the same match. Can the entire squad hold up an, an additional 18, 17, 18 over, overs of of good quality batting and set a total? That's still going to remain a question mark unless we see something more by the end of the uh, the Asia Cup. That that's uh, probably easier said than done at the minute. The way uh, those folks are batting, and uh, I wouldn't put it past if if a side, say Sri Lanka, in the final managed yeah. to pick off yeah. Rizwan early, that Baba goes, all right, well, now I've got to do something. Yeah, indeed. And yeah. One on. yeah, and England will have seven attempts to to figure that out with their. Uh, they have seven day or seven. Uh, game series of T20s uh, with Pakistan before heading the World Cup. So we should get to know some both of what the England setup would be um, will be for the World Cup, which interestingly, Alex Heels was added to recently, uh, which was deemed controversial by, by many. I, I wasn't completely surprised by that in terms of replacing Johnny Bairstow based on his, at least based on his cricketing prowess. You can talk about some of the off-field stuff where I mean, I think that all comes down to the the court of public opinion, but I I don't know who else you really you really draft in there, given that Jason Roy has kind of shit the bed in the last year or so. Yeah, I think that was a no brainer. I I actually thought he should have been in the the original squad for him anyway. Um, just he's obviously battled some some off field stuff, and it, it's sort of thrown him away down the pecking order. But yeah. I, I would have had him in probably ahead of Salt, to be honest. Um, just yeah. like a, a pure talent, pure ability to to score runs, and 
probably ability to bat in Australian conditions, having watched a bit of both of them in the IP, uh, not the IPL, the BBL. Mm-hmm. Again, different different competition, but Hales has over a fairly long period of time performed very well for for various uh, BBL sides. Salt uh, played the one season for the Strikers and and struggled a bit. Very good in the field, but it was it wasn't until the back end of the tournament that he actually he started to turn his fifteen off five balls to thirties to seventies. Yeah, I I think just on even on the on the eyesight test or the put yourself in the opposition dressing room and you read the team sheet, which player gives you the most cause for concern if he's opening the batting with Joss Butler in England? I think you'd be relieved not to see Alex Hills on that on that team sheet. I think hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, in the past you would have you would have looked at Butler, you looked at Roy, and gone, "Jesus, lads, we're going to have some effort in our hands to get them out." But if you look at Butler and Berstow's not going to be on the side now after he broke his leg playing golf. You know, obviously one of the most dangerous sports there is known to man. Um, but they, uh, I think you look at Butler and Hills that will open the the batting night, and then you have Milan that's probably going to come in at three. I think I think that's that's a top three that strikes strikes fear into a bowling lineup and go, lads, there's a good chance we're 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 chasing one ninety, two hundred today. We we got to be on our game. Um, so, yeah, and uh, uh, and of course, I, as as an Australian, your your morals are secondary to to performance, as we all know. <laughs> yeah, and uh, as a uh, well, I guess the the self appointed chairman of the the Trent Rockets fan club for about a <laughs> hundred preview. Uh, good to see some extra representation in there. Yeah, well, you, uh, congrats to you for what we we must whenever we are our um, Arnie on next, we must cover our predictions because I think mine were particularly heinous and incorrect. Uh, I have I have much to make up for in the Asia Cup. Thankfully, Rizwan is doing the job for me, but. Um, Mendes is is hot on his hot on his tail, so there's still time to to have an upset there. Um, so uh, yeah, okay. Um, do you want to do you want to uh, answer uh, for the the Australian cricket team's defeat against Zimbabwe? Anything to say around that? Any anybody to call out in particular that you were you were particularly disappointed with? Oh. It, it's probably the popular thing to do over here at the minute, but uh, Finch is in some dire, dire need of some runs. But that that kind of performance against Zimbabwe, I don't think you're pinpointing anybody. I watched some of those wickets that Ryan Burl took, and like that was <laughs> level stuff. Like you're getting full tosses and either missing them and getting bowled, or just chipping them straight to short mid wicket. Like it, think of like any club level leg spinner you've ever seen <laughs> bowl and the amount of wickets you get with full tosses or half trackers is is insane and that's exactly what it was yeah it's true it, it's the it's the club equivalent of uh how many people in your club do you know have taken a hat trick and how many of those individual balls balls consistent pies and i think the, the correlation there is is going to be quite high uh i've I, I I had a really, really nice little stint as a high school high school bowler, was bowling really tight, and there were three other individuals in our team who bowled complete pies, and they all have hat-tricks their name. And unfortunately, I never got one, but uh, it's it's true. It could happen, happen to anybody. Yeah, we've got one guy in our club who I think has taken two or three hat-tricks. 
and I played in two of them. And the most surprising part is he bowled three balls on the pitch in a row. <laughs> like the guy could bowl, but it was a genuine case of he would bowl like probably two wides and a no ball and over kind of thing or he'd miss the pitch three times in a row, then follow it up with this unplayable ball that swings in, jags away, and hits the top of off. Like, it is genuine scattergun. But the, that absolute wick, wicked keeper's nightmare by the sounds of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, more the fact that he's bowled three balls on, on the stumps in a row, let alone on the pitch in a row, was uh, <laughs> uh, probably the biggest surprise out of out of those hat tricks. Yeah, indeed. And Actually, can I touch on the the dangers of golf? We you mentioned Johnny Bairstow before, and how uh, he's managed to break his leg. He just reminded me of uh, an adventure of mine on the weekend playing golf. Go on uh, ahead, there. I, Tell us. Hopefully, you didn't break anything. No, well, nearly. It uh, we one of the guys in the foursome that I was playing it teed off and. Was standing behind him on the tee block. He's actually, he's topped his drive, but he still struck it reasonably nicely. It hit the ladies' tee marker and came flying straight back at us. <laughs> like it's gone straight past him before he could move. It's gone straight between me and the guy that I was standing next to. We were probably no more than a meter and a half apart. It's gone straight between us, just above ankle height, <laughs> and ended up about forty meters behind the tee block. I hope you I hope you give him the the standard forfeit for not making his drive past the ladies' tee boxes. I know that's a, a rule we've instigated in Ireland a few times. Uh commonly pulling your trousers to your ankles while you hit the next shot is, is this difficult one we have. So uh hopefully you a little bit different. If you don't make the ladies tea, it's uh it's a round of drinks for the group. Oh, okay. Well everybody wins in that case. Uh, yeah. I guess <laughs> There, there might be certain players you would want to see their trousers around their ankles in any, in any case. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, dangerous game. Like it was one of those ones you could kind of see it, but you, there's no way you were moving. If it was going to hit you, you were gone. Like it actually clipped the guy next to me's driver on the way through. Jesus. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was. It was humming. It would have done some damage at shin high or ankle high yeah. if it wanted to to hit you. Yeah, there's a bit of bit of speculation uh, between. I was chatting with the lads at the weekend as to whether there was any alcohol involved with the Johnny Bairstow, uh spill. I've I've seen a few things on on Twitter of him, you know, squatting Zach Crawley, and you know, like Zach Crawley's literally on his back and he's doing lunges and stuff like that. I just wonder if uh, I wonder if. Um, Brandon McCollum and uh, Ben Stokes will be having a quiet word with individuals saying, lads, there's a World Cup in a month. No nonsense, please. But um, yeah, see that Harry Brook was brought into the into the England side. That'll be an interesting one. I know Cheese, who we had on last week, is a big fan of his. So we'll follow that along along closely yeah. and see how they get there. Yeah, it, excited to see him to get a crack, really. It's, um, he's been making runs for fun in county. And yeah, I think looks a very good prospect. Yeah, I'll we'll be tuning into that. Uh, well, over here, Test cricket played in England. Perfect time to sit for to sit up and watch in Australia. It's on at prime time at night. Um, so yeah, absolutely perfect. It's uh, unlike some of these uh, CPL matches or yeah. 
even the IPL where it starts at 11.30 over here, English, English day cricket, perfect time over here. Yeah, the 100 on the other hand yeah, at the start that's... at 30 or 3 a.m. Oh, Jesus. That's um, that's the same for the Ashes in America. You get, well, at least the, the games that are on the on your East Coast. But 8 p.m., first ball is going. So you get a good, you get the first session, and then depending on how adventurous you are, you can get a good crack at the second session. And then if you're a, a lunatic, you watch the third one as well. Um, <laughs> wasn't wasn't too much lunatic activity after the first uh, the first test last time around where you kind of, Actually, the last couple of series, I've, I have nightmares of watching uh, oh, Carberry. Do you remember Carberry who, who opened the batting for England? Yeah. Nightmares of like staying up to, try, staying up and thinking, right, that, that this guy's going to get the job done. I like him and Cook as an open partnership. And I was just, Mitchell Johnson, just the poor lad was just more absolutely terrorized by, pure, by Mitchell Johnson. But yeah. Well, I think by the end of that uh, series, he wasn't alone there there are a few boys who weren't too keen to get out there and face uh, Mitchell Johnson yeah yeah well I mean he was ably backed up afterwards by Mitchell Stark who he said a few cracks in his day and made David Milan look like a like well actually it wasn't <laughs> David Milan's fault at all that had a crack in the ball moves a foot <laughs> it was just a an incredible delivery but anyway right okay well here um I think we'll probably wrap it up there but we have we'll have yeah. a little more to talk about with um the wrapping up of the asia cup as we mentioned earlier we got quite a few of the uh the world cup squads that are coming out so looking forward to running uh running through those um we're usually doing a six and an out do you have, do you have any six and outs of the week that you want to to share with us um i think i'll just go with the six and I'll, i'm going to give it to afghanistan it it's been really refreshing to watch them play well, I actually haven't been able to watch too much of it, but trying to catch highlights where I can and those kind of things and follow along on, you know, the Crick Info commentary. It's been really refreshing to to see that sort of how fearlessly they play against some of these sides and come onto a world a world tournament and go, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Like someone like Gerbaz is going, I don't care who you are. I'm going to try and hit you out of the park. Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. And th- another thing that's refreshing is... Uh, they played the majority of their cricket against Ireland, and I'm I'm sitting there thinking to myself, Jesus, we have a chance in this World Cup, which inevitably will uh, will probably get smashed by either Zimbabwe worry worry me in the in the qualifiers there. But um, it, I love to see these teams kind of coming of age and growing up, and they've they've come of age. Rashid Khan has not had to carry that team. Mohammad Nabi mm. has not had to carry that team. The individuals who are unknown. We talk. We talked about who who's going to be who are going to be the names that emerge from this Asia Cup with a bit of an enhanced reputation. Gurbaz is certainly one of them. Um, I, Faruqi, I think, still emerges with a uh, enhanced reputation, and uh, Mujib was perhaps already known, but Mujib is the other one. So, yeah, yeah. I completely agree with that. Um, maybe I'll throw a, a throwback to last week weeks out. Um, we received confirmation that um, the breakfast wrap and by uh, connection, uh, the filet fish is not the most relatable dish in McDonald's as Rishi Sunak was defeated by a, a paltry 20,000 votes um, in the leadership election. Uh, he, he got 60,000, so it was a, a big, big defeat. Um, yeah, wow. Yeah, but um, 
anyway, that's that. We'll we'll leverage that as our out of the week uh, again until we we meet again with Arnie and do the full run through. Yep. But um, yeah, all right. Any closing thoughts? Yeah, no. I think um, we always seem to say it, but there's still so much cricket coming at us over the next uh, couple of months. Uh, what what should be a little bit of a a treat, and we we might try and sort of leverage it into a bit of a a live some sort of live cast or or a vlog of some kind is uh, I think Arnie and I are, are making our way down to Hobart and we might become honorary Irishmen for the day. Yes, yes. We're, we're heading to a, 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 one, a double header in the T20 World Cup and I think it's the West Indies and Scotland and Zimbabwe Island. Jeez, that's a motley crew. That's that's going to be a cracking crowd. I don't know if you saw some of the crowds in Zimbabwe whenever uh, Australia were there. Unbelievable. Or no, um, it wasn't Australia. It was Bangladesh. Party central. Your Wendy's will obviously be party central and while well, the Scots and Irish enjoy enjoy a good time too. You'll have a you'll have a great time. Uh yeah, we'll have to I'll have to give you the you've got a beard. Uh, yeah, all you need is a green hat and you'll fit right in. That's all you need. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's exciting. We'll look forward to that. Uh, maybe do. Maybe we could do a little. Uh, I'll do a little preview on uh, how to fit in, and as in terms of an Irish cricket supporter, and you can do a preview on. Um, I don't. Know, are there famous Hobartians? Is is Ponting from Hobart? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. There you are. There you are. We can. He, he's the head of cricket for the the Hobart Hurricanes in the the BBL now. Oh yeah, and and uh, an avid fan of the Pakistani uh, the Pakistani team apparently with all the. BBL yeah. selections they made this year, so that should be fun to see. On a, on a legit note, probably the smartest cricket mind just about in the world, definitely in Australia. If he if it wasn't for the fact he had a young family and uh, didn't want to commit to spending so much time away, I think he would hundred percent be the coach of Australia. Yeah, even from a career standpoint, you think about someone who came in after one of the most beloved test captains in Australian cricket history, a man who literally defined his last few innings with grit and grind performances and was captaining the greatest bowler to ever play test cricket. He still emerged with a phenomenal record and uh, legacy as test captain and and batting record all in one. Uh, I feel his batting never, I, I can't even really think of a batting period of batting where he was, he was light on runs. He just seemed to consistently, you know, produce for his side um, despite having the test captaincies, which, as poor old Joss Butler knows, and to an extent Rohit Sharma redeemed himself a little bit recently, but his his runs have suffered a little bit since taking on the captaincy. It's not it's not an easy not an easy job. So, massive respect for for Ponting. Um, yeah, I don't know how much of the uh, the BBL you catch over there, but listening to him on commentary. Like you, he'll sit there, and it, it's like he's three balls ahead of the game. Like someone like Andre Russell comes out, and the next thing out of his mouth will be, "I think these guys will will test him out with a short ball early in his innings." And two balls later, they've bounced him out. He's been caught at deep square leg. It's just like these on a complete other level when it comes to sort of game knowledge. And I think that's why he tends to be a successful T Twenty sort of franchise coach when he goes and does any of that as well. Yeah. Well, well, being a T20 franchise coach, coach is kind of the ultimate fantasy cricket gig. I mean, you, you, <laughs> you, you, I mean, you think about it, you really, you really are, 
able to to mold by and large mold mold a team with your overseas players and then decide to retain and, and rotate and maybe maybe the pressures of an australia i mean you talked about the family aspect of things like and things like that i've no doubt that if he went into an australian australian dressing room he would have the respect of the entire dressing room no questions asked i mean you even saw it on uh, on the um on the australian cricket team uh series on prime where they followed the, t- the team after sandpaper gate and all that he was he was in a couple of those and you just see that the room just is quiet he doesn't have to be aggressive as somebody like a uh as the um oh god what as justin langer was i mean justin langer was a bit of a nutcase if you ask me but uh yeah you could tell that he he would be completely respected in there and um i mean good for him for knowing what what he values in his life in terms of being in australia and 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 no one has families there, and that's what he wants. Good for him. But uh, it works perfectly for him. He can go to India for, for eight weeks for the IPL, do his prep in the preseason there. He can come back to Australia. Now he's tied up with the the Hobart Hurricanes, so he'll play that role there. He's got his media gigs through the Test summer and uh, through the BBL in a bit of commentary, and then uh, sort of when he feels like it, he just kind of floats into the Australian camp and. All right. Well, I'll I'll help out on this tour and be a, a consultant for this T Twenty series. Yeah, yeah. Go, going back to the the commentary, I, I'm I have to say, like, I'm glad that there's a little bit of like sense and content every now and then that walks in the Australian booth because I I feel like oh. I, I feel like the nonsense that is talked in there. I'm just sitting there wait, waiting for. I find myself in the last ashes, dying to hear Michael Vaughan's voice, which is quite something to say. Um, considering consider Michael Vaughan is, he's, he's a decent commentator, but you know, you, you growing up with the likes of Michael Holding, who's a phenomenal commentator, um, David Gower and Ian Botham were fine, but I have to admit watching the, the last Ashes series and the amount of just like banter and crack that was being had when I really wanted to fi- figure out, you know, Cameron Green, can you tell me a little bit about him instead of talking about, you know, how so-and-so got hit in the nuts last year, you know, like that's the kind of kind of stuff so i'm glad that the ponding's adding that for you guys down down under i do agree there sometimes the the commentary in australia sort of shifts a little bit too far to to entertainment rather than enhancing the cricket yeah well well in a country where cricket's been being guided by Kerry packer entertainment is premium man entertainment is premium but um, anyway, right, well, here, we'll leave that there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Brett, uh, we will see you again soon. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll do it. Thanks, Matt. Being right, good. All the best. Catch you later, everybody.